Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Lucy Rowett, clinical sexologist and certified sex coach, friend of mine, friend of the show. She is back on Keep Them Coming Again. Lucy primarily focuses on helping women and non-binary femmes with embodying pleasure. She also specializes in working with people who came from purity culture. That was primarily what we focused on our last episode, so do go back and check that out if you like. But this time, we were talking all about the amazing variety of documentaries that there are out there that are discussing sex cults, sex scandals. We covered the full gamut. We did also wrap this show up talking about some some feel-good shows that are about sex, like How to Build a Sex Room and Goop Lab, uh, Sex, Love, and Goop, all those. But we talked about, oh gosh, so many. Tantra Island, Nexium, The Vow, Teal Swan, and Orgasm Inc., among others. What can I say? I um, can't help it. I immersed myself in these kinds of documentaries while I was healing from my hysterectomy. I mean, Matthew kept coming in the room like you're watching another sex cult documentary. I'm like, there's so many to watch. (laughs) So... Uh, we we gave our two cents about some of the things that are out there on Netflix, Hulu, HBO, a variety of other um, platforms. Also, I want to note that um, the retreat centers that Lucy and I were talking about are not the kind of retreat that uh, Christine and I were hosting in Mexico. Okay, two two very different kinds of retreats. <laughs> If you had any experiences with any of the organizations that we cover in this episode, I would love to hear from you. Um, You know, I am here to hear about people's lives and experiences. So if you if you went through a Nexium program or um, you've been to Tantra Island, we also talked about that one. Love to hear from you. Shoot me an email, Kristen at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. You can also send me an email if you have any questions, if you're interested in coaching, if you have a podcast topic, anything. My email is always open to you. It's February, so yes, we've got Valentine's coming up, but it's also Singles Awareness Day on the 15th. If you haven't caught my latest column titled Crafted Singles, you can find the pitch on newsstands or... Any day now, you'll be able to check out the digital copy, check my social media, or get on my email newsletter to be kept up to date about when that gets released. All right, I think that's it. I don't have much else to tell you or news to catch you up on. Uh, Do please enjoy this rousing conversation that Lucy and I had about sex cults, sex scandals, and the documentaries all about them. There's some interesting things we're going to talk about today, but <laughs> shaking off some of that heaviness. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Shake it. Now let's talk about sex scandals and documentaries <laughs> about some of that insidious shit that's out there. There. So, but before we get too deep into that, let's take a quick moment 
and tell the audience a little bit more about you. Welcome to the show, Lucy. May I ask first off, are you going by professionally, simply uh, Lucy Rowett, or are you going by... Uh, so my married name is Lucy Rowett Schnabel, but which is on Facebook. Uh, but professionally, I'm still Lucy Rowett because my domain name is under that name, and I'm not changing it. <laughs> and, you you know. built a brand. I'm the same way. I just got married in October, although my ring is at the jeweler. My son was a little loose, oh. um, but I'm not changing to Kristen Kusa or Kristen Thomas Kusa because I've I'm Kristen Thomas. I built the brand, so I totally understand. Yeah, but um, Lucy, tell um, the audience a little bit more about yourself. So hi everyone, I'm Lucy Rowett. As you can tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. I grew up in Britain at the moment. Me and my husband, we live in Vienna, Austria. Um, so I am a certified sex coach and sexologist. And my specialty, my passion is helping women and non-binary friends to really work with helping to release shame and inhibition around sex and pleasure, to have the sex and pleasure that they really want. Um, I especially love working with people from faith backgrounds or from purity culture backgrounds and or the one the people the women the femmes who identify as overthinking overworking overachieving overfunctioning and struggle to quote unquote let go and enjoy sex so these are the women and the people that i really love working with um what else can i tell you about me i have a whole professional bio that is somewhere else i'm also the regular um, I'm the what's it the resident sex coach at UK contraception platform below down and I am also featured a lot in all sorts of media publications as well so do reach out to me if you are interested in working together yes you have been featured all over the place lately my friend everything's so <laughs> lovely when I, I love when I get to share articles about sex in the news in my newsletter and you are in them yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um and I love talking with you, Kristen. It's always a pleasure. I'm just, you'll see me sipping my tea because I'm British, but I like my tea. <laughs> and like an American, I've got my latte. I have my water as well. I have the... Same. You know, we'll, we'll two-fist it today. What's it, the internet thing where it's like you always have more than one drink. You've got your fun... Well, I'm, there's always water and something else. So I've got my tea and I've got my water. I, I, it's critical. You got to stay hydrated, but you got to have a little flavor as you go. So, well, listeners, the reason that I have my friend Lucy on today is because there has been a plethora of sex scandals or sex documentaries or sex shows out there. And we wanted to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, what's on all these platforms? And the no. ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what to start with today because my goodness, there's now there's there's some that I've watched, some that you've watched, some we both yeah. watched, but there's been a lot of stuff. Oh, again, I had a hysterectomy at the end of November. I got to spend a lot of time just catching up on Hulu and Netflix and some other things. And my husband was laughing, like, you just keep watching all these like sex cult documentaries. I'm like, it's fascinating. I can't help it. <laughs> I, I like, because I, 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 I tend to listen to podcasts. So I will listen to, I like listening to cult podcasts as well. I just find it really interesting and fascinating. And we were talking about this before we started recording that, you know, I have one foot in the wellness, alternative spirituality world. And I have personal experience with a lot of these cult-like high demand 
groups. Mm -hmm. I have friends and colleagues that are have either escaped or are still very much in some of them. Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting territory for me to navigate. Yeah. Personally and professionally. Yeah, you know, like one of the first ones that came to mind to talk about stemmed from the fact that I had a conversation with someone the other day and they were trying to get to know me a little bit better professionally. And they asked, you know, with the coaching that you do, do you do any work with Tantra? And I just said, I don't, I don't. Um, it's not that I think it's a closed practice, but I think it's really important, no matter what you're trying to learn, who you get your information from. Mm-hmm. So to me, the po- folks that are here in town, like... I don't, I don't know. Like, it just seems like there's too many stories about people being a little, a little too, uh, blurring the lines of professionalism. Yeah. There, there is a documentary you turned me on to called <laughs> Tantra Island, the search for sexual paradise. And that was a vice documentary. Mm-hmm. And they went to an island that the reporter went to an island called, I probably might botch this, but you know how to say it. I think is it's it like Copenhagen. Yes, Copenhagen. I, I, I could be pronouncing this wrong. I think it's Copenhagen, but I could be pronouncing it wrong. You're right. I did a phonetic spelling here in my notes, and that was right. <laughs> but that's in in Thailand, and it seems like that's a place where it's not just one center there for tantric exploration. There's multiple practitioners there, and they've just set up their own temples or schools, whatever. And they did address in that some of the abuse that's happened not just on that island but within tantra yeah so i think it's it's what was i going to say my brain has gone off on i did um a video a few videos on instagram a while back because similarly i get approached every now and then saying can i have a tantra session do you do a tantra session because i am very open that i used to do tantra i used to be more in that scene um and I personally love a lot of the exercises from it. Um, and I think some of a lot of the exercises are really powerful, um, are really powerful in terms of they work often with the body and help take you out of your, your thinking mind. And mm-hmm. I think especially when we're working with sex and sexuality, which is something that happens a lot with the body in the body, there's only a certain amount of talking that is going to really help. Sometimes we really need to work with the body, especially when most of us are very used to rationalizing. So I really appreciate a lot of it, but I have also witnessed um, many icky things going on in the world of Tantra that has really turned me off a lot of it. And what's tricky that I I feel like for me, I have a very middle of the road approach because I know quite a few practitioners and teachers who I adore and I think are amazing but mm-hmm. that's my personal opinion and experience and I also this is me going on a sideline here when I sent you that documentary I know lots of people personally and professionally who've been to Copenhagen who were either involved in agama yoga or just went off to Copenhagen to do the whole finding myself healing myself thing and if it's not Copenhagen, they would have gone to Bali or they would have gone to Tulum in Mexico. <laughs> you know, they, they would have gone to these, these exotic well, these retreat centers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 weird every time I've seen that because first of all, for me, this could have been my life. I could have very easily gone down that path. And 
Mm-hmm. What's difficult is what they address in the documentary, first of all, is that the ethical life is so grey. And it's yeah. a very, very grey zone. And But also I will say this, in one of my friends and colleagues was interviewed, and she said that most of her interview was cut out. And for this documentary, they very much made it a little bit trauma, trauma porn. Mm-hmm. And they very much sensationalized a lot of things. Um, I heard that from other people that were featured, they edited out a certain thing. So for this documentary, they had a certain slant of the edit they wanted to go for. Mm-hmm. So I think anybody watching that needs to have that awareness um, in that they were showing mostly cis, pet, mostly white folk who were very slim. And attractive yes, and young. I noticed that too. Yeah. And like, I made I note think- of that. I put... Yeah, there were like, no black people. No, no. I think one of the teachers um, was is brown, um, mm-hmm. South Asian. But mm-hmm. and also, I mean, this is also an issue within a lot of the tantra world as well. So a lot of this is reflected, and there are also larger bodied folk, people who aren't cis het white who go, mm-hmm. and a lot of the. It, I think it's for. I don't want to speak for anybody else's experience, but we have to acknowledge that's there and acknowledge that that documentary they. They had it's a tower falling off. Uh, they they had a very specific angle that they're going for, and I love watching Vice personally, but they they do tend to go for a more kind of sensationalist yeah approach. Yeah, so have that in mind when you're watching that. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely caught that angle to it, and the fact that they were trying to walk that line between showing hey there may be as you said things and practices exercises that are really really beneficial but then in practice sometimes it's the community the individuals abusing their power um and you do have to be careful about the misuse of power there and they did reference like agama yoga which if folks listening if you're not familiar you can certainly go google but uh yeah it's yeah, one of my colleagues' friends is one, was one of the early whistleblowers about Agama Yoga. Um, but I think what a lot of people still in this scene don't always appreciate, and not just the Tantra scene, but the spirituality, wellness scene, mm-hmm. if we're good, because it, you know, it's never just one scene. A lot of people are very willfully ignorant to a lot of cult dynamics that happen there. Because it's very easy to say, well, Agama Yoga was just about this one shitty person. Or, you know, it's um, people, it's just they're bad people doing this. And I want to say, no, this is, we have to understand human dynamics. Not, I don't know if that's a terminology, but understand that I personally believe a lot of people go into this with good intentions, but end up going down a certain rabbit hole where these good intentions end up falling away. Yeah, And it's easy to blame it on saying, no, avoid the bad practitioner rather than understanding it's a whole, it's a whole ecosystem that needs to be looked at, not necessarily complete. I'm also, when I say, I don't like it when people say it's all snake oil, it's all rubbish. No, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but we have to understand the whole ecosystem rather than it's one or few to quote unquote bad people because then you are massively oversimplifying something and you're missing out the opportunity for stuff to make be resolved. 
Yes. Well, and as you and I have discussed before, that so many people who are going into the the wellness space, the sacred sexuality space, came from religious backgrounds. And oftentimes they're simply replacing one cult mentality for another because it's what they're used to. They're understanding this hierarchy, you know, this leadership structure. They understand this, you know, person has power and they teach because they have knowledge or whatever that they get used to that dynamic and it's easy to fall back into it again in the future. One of my colleagues was saying that it's, it's, it's guru mentality. Even if a teacher's saying, I am not your guru. um, It's, it's not necessarily calling themselves a guru. It's that mentality of teacher knows best, always do what teacher says, push your comfort zone, push your edges because teacher or leader or coach knows what's best. And that is when it gets to really sticky territory. And this is where a lot of things can go wrong yeah. because a lot of these teachers don't, uh, a lot of them don't have any accountability structures. And a lot of them will be, and when we talk about how a lot of the world of Tantra is not trauma informed in that there is often this mentality of going for a cathartic release, which is we're going to go for a big breakthrough. And sometimes for some people that could be what they need. But it does not work all the time. And often what happens, people get pushed way over their tolerance level and they end up actually regressing or being Mm re-traumatized. And it's also this mentality of teaching those best, teaching those best, teaching those best. Mm -hmm. And then when you follow that, um, it ends up going down a very dark rabbit hole. Yeah. So that that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's, I think, what was the big issue with the next documentary I want to talk about uh the vow now that one was it's on Hulu Lucy can't access Hulu where she's at right now well I I have been listening to the podcast a little bit Colty with um I think they're called Sarah and Nippy I could be wrong but they are two survivors of Nixium so so a little bit Colty so they are yeah so I understand I know what the vow is about I haven't seen it but I listen to a little bit culty, so I get a lot of a gist of Nixium and Keith Ranieri. There's been a lot of coverage about Keith Ranieri and the Nexium cult. Um, and it did not start off as being a sex cult. It was really this guy trying to do this self-improvement, you know, leadership workshop style thing, but sort of also like multi-level marketing <laughs> thing. Um, good old capitalism into it. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> can't just be a thought leader spiritual guru you know, this I don't like the term guru that's anyone who gives themselves the moniker of guru I'm just like Bleh. um but, you know it also made me look at people like Allison Mack and some of the actresses on Battlestar Galactica a little bit differently oh that's one of my favorite shows and I don't know if I can watch it again this theme late but yeah yeah that was definitely one of those that it was a man having power and he was able to utilize that power to manipulate women and and I don't know how much they've talked about it on that podcast but he was also doing a lot of manipulating around polyamory and open relationships now the the vow didn't focus in that documentary that was it was actually on HBO and then featured through Hulu it didn't 
hone in on, oh, this guy was saying that he was polyamorous. So I don't feel like they were trying to purposefully give folks that practice open relationships or polyamory a bad name, but they did show this guy was using elements of it, but not doing the ethical part. You know, he was doing the non-monogamy, but not the ethical part, Um, Mm -hmm. but using everything that he could to manipulate their weight, to manipulate their sexuality, to get them to just give him more and more money. It was gross. You know, what's interesting is on A Little Bit Culty, their podcast, maybe if I shout, I'll be featured on them one day, maybe. Oh, yeah. But they, they, a few months ago, they did some episodes on this spiritual teacher called Bentinho Massaro. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, because he's he, he was a very famous, still is, millennial influencer, spiritual teacher. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Turns out many things have gone wrong. And it's interesting when you're saying that because all the behavior from Keith Ranieri is what ben, Bentinho Massaro has been doing mm-hmm. in terms of manipulating a lot of women, manipulating them into polyamory and open relationships without any of the ethical part, um, getting them to give him more and more money, um, getting them to follow him, basically becoming more and more just manipulative. And if, if you can hear some of the stories of people like women who are in relationships with him and also men as well, where they just got manipulated and manipulated. And where, you know, Bentinho would have these, you know, bacchanalian, bacchalian, bacchalian mm. parties. Mm. And it, it's really, I don't know, it's very interesting listening to it. And also that I, I'm not an expert in cults, but there are people who have studied cults, how humans, no matter where they come from, no matter what, economic, cultural, ethnic background, no matter what the cult is supposed to be about, it seems that they, they follow a very similar trajectory. That cult leaders follow a very similar trajectory. So mm-hmm. take heart or don't take heart. <laughs> humans be humans, human dynamics be human dynamics. Humans gonna human, no matter how spiritual or enlightened they say. What was interesting with Bentinho Massaro, which I also know was the thing with Agama Yoga and I'm guessing with Keith Ran- Ranieri, was this thing of if you're triggered by it, it's because you're not spiritually advanced enough. Yep. I'm saying this, and I'm doing this for your spiritual growth, which means I can get away with shitty and abusive, manipulative behavior because this is for your growth. Mm-hmm. And then this is where it has gone very, very wrong. Yeah, and I, it's all those people who lead cults know that the people who are following them are folks who are searching for answers. They're searching for something different than what they've had in their past. They often have these holes that they're trying to fill and they do take advantage of that. You know, thinking about Nexium originally starting off as this personal growth and leadership program where it was supposed to help people take control of their careers and their lives and build them up I'll have me some of that right it's like no um and it's I mean I feel like I'm going to get quite philosophical here but it's like this is why we need to have within any kind of group whatever the group's aim is awareness of certain dynamics and having a cult accountability structures in place because this is what happens when there's no accountability structures or any kind of way of people saying, whoa, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. This is, this something is going really wrong here. Yeah. Because 
Um, I remember I read this quote and I wish I could remember who it was by. And if anybody can remind me, that would be really helpful. And it was every single dictatorship and all totalitarian regime was started by people who wanted to change the world and thought that they had the answer for it. Now, obviously, there were all sorts of awful power dynamics and awful stuff that got in the way. But let's not bypass that. But it was often started by and it hooked people in with this idea that we can create a better world. And I have the idea of how we can create this better world and I will make other people do it by force. So we need to be aware of that as a dark side to yeah. wanting to, this is what can happen sometimes when we wanna go really far down that path of changing the world, saving the world, improving ourselves. Not that I ever want to tell people not to want to have that intention, but be aware, this is what can happen if it's left unchecked. Yes. When you are seeking answers, enlightenment, sacred sexuality, whatever it may be, you have to be cautious of who is disseminating this information. How much am I just getting my information from one person? You know, like this is how people ended up in QAnon because they were trying to seek answers and they thought that this thing had the answers for them and that nobody else had the right answers. Like if you're getting into that mindset of this thing, this person, this philosophy has all the answers that I need and everyone else doesn't know the truth. Nobody Until, else is privy. And like, you are then constantly encouraged to view others as less enlightened, less, less this, less bloody, bloody, blah. It might be in a cult. Sticky, 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 sticky territory. Yes. Very, Ooh. very. Now, I do want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about a sex. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Just, 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 just. <laughs> about, let's talk about a sex scandal rather than a sex cult. Now, uh, I do take a little bit of personal pleasure in watching super duper religious people who are all high and mighty. I love watching them fall. I love watching them fall real hard. <laughs> so the fall of Jerry Falwell Jr. was incredible. So Jerry Falwell Sr., his father, started Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. He also founded the Moral Majority in the United States. He's the, one of the Southern preachers who decided when the Civil Rights Movement was coming along, he picked the side of segregation. Okay, so let's just set the tone here. Um, Jerry Falwell Jr., at, after his father died, took over his dad's little Baptist college and became Liberty University, like the largest private Christian college, I think, in the in the U.S. Um, yeah. Anytime someone's like, oh, I graduated from Liberty University, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so what happened with Jerry Falwell Jr., for those that don't know, is uh, a, he got caught up in a scandal that ended his career and he and his wife have since been kind of quiet now um but they got outed as being into cuckolding now you and i both know cuckolding on its own like so what no big deal what a consenting adult wants to do with their consenting adult partner and another third consenting adult 
their business, mm-hmm. right? Where it becomes an issue is when you are a conservative Christian, when you are a leader of the right wing, and you're doing something that other people do and you judge them for it, you tell them they're sinners, things like that. That's where I started having a big problem. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because um, for listeners who don't know, I'm former evangelical Christian. And um, we talked about this in previous in previous episode. You know, I was lucky in that I wasn't from a very culty place. And yet I'm very familiar with this mentality, with this way of thinking. And if it wasn't Jerry Falwell Jr., there are umpteen we have this conversation. These earrings do not want to spin my ears. <laughs> I want to just jump out. Yeah, it's um, I, I love these earrings, but they don't want to stay. I need to get better backs. Anyway, a side note. It's not just Jerry Falwell Jr. It's so, there has been so many sex scandals involving religious leaders. Even if we just look at people from the Christian church, um, like, for example, in the UK, there was a big scandal with the Church of England clergy, scandals with the Catholic Church. I mean, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that is very well known is Carl Lentz, the leader of Hillsong. I think it was the LA Hillsong. Uh-huh. Tim Bieber's pastor. Turned out having multiple, or multiple, quite a few affairs. And I think what's really interesting is understanding some of the mentality behind this. As sex educators, we know that when you start repress, when you start repressing this stuff, it's going to come out in other ways that are really unhealthy. And also ways that are non-consensual or things that are hypocritical. Mm-hmm. But something I've noticed, having been in highly religious communities and being among highly religious communities, is it creates a kind of a psychological splitting, which you have to. Because as humans, we have these desires. Unless you are asexual or on the asexuality spectrum, in general, you're going to have these desires, which are completely normal and healthy and part of being a human. Mm-hmm. unfortunately when you are in a high control environment that is constantly telling you over and over again how bad these are how wrong these are you're going to have to squash them down this is what I did as a teenager I tried to and I'm I'm a I was a teenage girl and I had to squash them down and squash them down and squash them down that does not get you very far and I've noticed this I notice it with a lot of highly religious men or men from very high control groups it creates a kind of psychological splitting where it's almost like they have to split off that part of their personality. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a psychologist here, but I, I think it's some sort of phenomena here. And it means that they can end up justifying to themselves when they do behavior that is against their professed beliefs. They will always feel a huge amount of shame for it, but they've had to compartmentalize themselves. And that mm-hmm. is not healthy. It, it's really, it does not lead to... It does not lead to a healthy, integrated adult. Another one, like Josh Duggar. (laughs) Prime example of someone who could not integrate probably very normal, healthy behaviors into their life and then led to them doing some really unhealthy shit. Pedophiles and child abusers, I don't believe that they're programmed from birth that way. I I don't think that. I think that they are socialized. I think that they are repressing so much stuff. As you say, it when you are repressing everything, like Christians are no less kinky than the general population. They're just hiding it. And it's the hiding it that makes behaviors come out in very, very unhealthy ways. 
very morbid ways and things that are just awful. I would, I would, I would also say hiding it, having to hide it from themselves. I think there's often a, a belief that a lot of church going folk are their big hypocrites. And there is a lot of hypocrisy, but you have to understand it starts within themselves first, where a lot of the church going folk or religious folk I've known who have really, they, they have really struggled with this. And they feel this huge battle within them. And then maybe if you add that personality type, and especially most church environments are misogynistic, mm-hmm. very misogynistic, very heavily favored towards men. And so you get this messaging. And by the, I am overgeneralizing here. I know lots of very progressive Christians. I know people in very progressive churches, which I'm really glad about. But a lot of the church, and I'm saying the church in the umbrella term, whatever denomination, there are different flavors of intensity. Mm-hmm. It's very much women guard your heart, cover up. Men, you are lusty creatures who cannot control yourselves. Yep. We have this programming in already. It just amplifies it. And it's also interesting that a lot of other Christian men that I've met, sometimes they will fear so much being a predator because they've been taught to fear their sexuality, their desire, their orgasms, that drive to be lusty and carnal. Mm-hmm. Some of them will fear it so much that they turn in on themselves. Yeah. And they become so scared. And I think it's just, it's, it's just not a healthy dynamic, whatever way you look at it. And it makes me very sad, as a lot of us feel really sad. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also interesting that it's like I can smell, I can smell it a mile off now whenever I meet a man who is highly religious there's a certain something in their energy something I can read straight away especially when they are being over righteous or over nice over polite I'm like yeah (laughs) I can I can feel it and it yeah there's so many things that we could go on tangents here or what's it the other one uh very very well-known relationship coach Jackson Derek mm. Jackson Derek Jackson he's Derek Jackson yeah so Jack sorry Derek Jackson who was a relationship coach and TikTok staff and whatever a relationship expert and apparently some of his stuff was really good but turns out he was having multiple affairs behind his wife that's like the guy the try guys Nate from the Try Guys that came out that he was like having he was always doing his content with his wife and it was like the marriage relationship content and it turned out he was sleeping with one of his producers and they kicked him out and like I just I have a hard time putting any stock into people that are allegedly an expert in this or an expert on that and they've got this huge following I always kind of feel like I'm just going to sit back and be like we'll see how long it takes you to fuck up I think like what's tricky is that when you are any kind of public figure no matter how big or small there is this pressure to have a certain public persona because that is how people are going to perceive you Mm-hmm. and that is going to put a hell of a lot of pressure on you to behave a certain way that isn't always congruent with how you think and feel and that pressure is going to build over time mm-hmm. and this is why I'm really very skeptical or feel uneasy about 
maybe influencers who often tout their own relationship or marriage all the yes. time as an example and yes. I don't want to I think it's I think first of all it's very tricky territory and I don't I, I also don't want to say they are all bad or not but I think it's very sticky territory because what happens when you've had a massive fight and then you've got to go on camera and talk about how to bond as a couple that is that is that's so hard Mm -hmm. it's so hard that's going to cause so much strain in your relationship or marriage Mm -hmm. or you know what are you going to do if you're having a really difficult time and you're thinking about separation but you have been very public about your marriage or relationship and people start to notice that your spouse isn't your content it's it's just really difficult and that pressure cannot always be sustained yeah um yeah that's why I don't put Matthew in my content much. I mention I mention him sometimes. I occasionally show him, but I really try to not make my entire persona about look at me and my great sex life and my great relationship and you should do everything to be like me. And I do find that there's too many people out there who have built up this platform based around that concept. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. When it comes to your adult visual content, are you wanting something a little more ethical? Perhaps a little more queer? Then maybe you need to check out Afterglow. Afterglow provides erotic visual content for women and non-binary folks made by women and non-binary folks. Why is it important to watch ethical porn? Well, because you want to make sure that everyone on screen is consenting. You want to make sure everyone on screen and involved in the production is getting paid for you watching this, not just someone who downloaded it from another website and re-uploaded it, and we are certainly not wanting to watch someone's revenge porn. The way to avoid all of those things is to pay for your content. But you can try out Afterglow for seven days free by going to the website that is either in the show notes or go to the links in my social media bios, click that, then use the code XOKristen, and you'll get a seven-day free trial to Afterglow. Oh, I did just think of a woman who totally used her power and was an absolute shit, Teal Swan. Ooh, Let's talk about Teal Swan for a minute. Again, I know that documentary was on Hulu, so you may not have caught that, but... You know about Teal Swan. I listened to the podcast episodes on my short-term memory is absolutely appalling, but I listened to the podcast series. (laughs) Podcast series, listen to it. And also back in the day when I was first, um, so you know, long story short, I went through faith deconstruction, left Christianity, and jumped two feet into the spirituality woo uh, conspiracy theory world. I was Mm-hmm. And back in the day, I was into Teal Swan as well. I was into Teal Swan, not heavily. I just liked some of her stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't a big, whatever the, her fan club was called. I wasn't one of those, but I liked a lot of her stuff. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I, I, I just, um, you know, so many people online, I just drifted away until I started seeing her stuff again years later, thinking, no. But I think what's interesting is a lot of these sex scandals and and documentaries all have an element of spirituality religion personal growth here Mm -hmm. and I think I think that is something 
to be aware of and what can also make people very wary of certain environments. I think what's difficult is when you have somebody believing and touting that they have a version of the truth and they have a version of what I'm teaching is directly channeled from the divine. So whatever I am teaching and coming through me is the absolute truth. And, you know, there's there's a certain, there are a couple of teachers online and I notice their students, they use the word, they, they say the word truth a lot and they spell it with a capital T. Mm-hmm. And that immediately puts me on edge. And also I was in uh, an environment a few years ago that was spirituality and business that was absolutely a cult-like environment. Mm-hmm. and people who went on to go even further than that and there's a certain thing where you have somebody who is talking online live streaming or a pastor from a pulpit and there's a certain intensity to them they have this intense eye gaze and there's this magnetism to them and they start just riffing and by the way I've been in that state myself and that is something to be very 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 mindful of when you notice an environment where somebody is just speaking truth or it feels like it's truth i'm sure there is and as i'm saying this i'm sure there are there are technical explanations for this i know this has been studied and i feel frustrated that i can't name things um but it's something to be really mindful and wary of if you're in an environment and it could be any environment where it feels like there is a leader and people are hanging off their every word and their hashtag obsessed with them they want to get some of that magic they want to get some of that oh I just want to be in their space tread very carefully yeah yeah I feel like a lot of yes I feel like a lot of times those people like I of course watch some teal swan videos like that's yeah I, I can totally buy into that it's a good explanation that's the problem with a lot of these leaders is nine things that they say are truth and actual truth and then one, or they learned it from someone else. It was just an observation of the world. And then that 10th thing is the thing that makes you go, oh, yeah. but all, all these other things they said made sense. So like they try to make that 10th thing make mm-hmm. sense. So like they're sprinkling in things that are either lies or manipulation or, you know, things like that. Things that can go too far. And mm-hmm. also remember that a lot of these cult-like environments Part of it is they invite you to suspend your judgment or suspend your critical thinking. And also this is what also exists in personal development spaces is part of it is undoing your conditioning, questioning your thoughts, questioning your beliefs. And this is where it can get sticky. I'm saying sticky on a sex podcast, (laughs) but sticky because there is a lot of that that is super helpful as sex educators we are constantly talking about we have to recondition what we think and how we feel about sexuality and understand a lot of what we've been taught lies and so you have to be aware of that that when you start to go down that rabbit hole in terms of what you have been taught as lies don't believe your thoughts a lot of that is really helpful but this can put you down a slippery slope that's a christian uh, metaphor it can very easily slide down like one thing I noticed when I was in this uh, group environment a few years ago was one of the things was it's good to be triggered. If you're triggered, that is um, an edge an edge for growth. Mm-hmm. What is tricky is there is some truth in that. 
There is some truth in that. They but they're also not the ones that are qualified to take you to that spot. No. And what it was, it felt like I was constantly questioning my own triggers. Mm. And if I'm triggered, it's good. It's good to be triggered. And, but then it became a thing of it's all <laughs> feeling constantly triggered, constantly triggered. And a lot of these teachers, their intention is to trigger you. And this is where, again, really murky gray zone, really murky gray zone, because you can, I've seen people who end up, you can convince people to believe anything. Mm -hmm. And that is where it gets super, super dangerous, super tricky, especially if you convince people that they are their quote unquote resistance or their uncomfortable feelings are just resistance that needs to be pushed through. Yeah. Which is not always psychologically safe. No. And this is where, yeah, it's like, I mean, there's so many tangents that go on this, but thinking about all of the sex scandals and sex and all of these things, it's when we are, you're in environments where you are constantly encouraged or taught to override what your own experience is. Yeah. Yeah. And not trust yourself and your own boundaries. Yeah. Another documentary was the one about one taste. What was the title of that one though? I forget. Orgasm Inc. Yes. Thank you. Orgasm Inc. I watched that documentary. That was very interesting. I, I know someone who he is into the whole oming thing. We can get into that in a second. Um, but he went to one taste when he lived in San Francisco briefly and said after, cause I texted him after I watched that when I was recovering and said, Hey, I know you, you know, you did oming and stuff in San Francisco. Did you ever go to one taste? He was like, yes. And I just yeah. watched the documentary. And the big reason he didn't keep going was because of the culty vibes. One of my friends and colleagues felt the same. She's from San Francisco and she's like, I went to one of their things, massive culty vibes. And it's also interesting because I have one friend who was very, very into Oming and she swore by it for so many things. Mm-hmm. And I have two other friends who um, they love Oming as a practice, but hate one taste. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really difficult. Like I have, say I've tried, I think what's difficult is the practice of Oming and also the origins of that practice are a little bit um ambiguous yeah the practice itself actually is really good you know because for women and for clitoris owners it helps you to track your sensation it helps you to really be with the orgasmic wave and there's no and the whole point of it is that there's no you do not have sex afterwards you just stay with the sensation I think the practice itself can be really beautiful and for men if they're doing it in a heterosexual dynamic it can also be beautiful because it's a way of decoupling orgasms from penetration and then ejaculation but the difficulty was that you add in you know this is a good old thing of spirituality capitalism (laughs) and you take something that is potentially good you then add spiritual cult dynamics and then shitload of money out of this what could possibly go wrong yes what could possibly go wrong yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. Well, and this one specifically is 
focused on. It's not like it's something that evolved into having sexual dynamics, but this was about sexual dynamics and, you know, sexual healing, sexual growth, sexual learning. So people did know what they were getting into with that aspect, but like the power dynamics, again, were there to like allow someone to take advantage of things. And for the listeners that don't know, oming is orgasmic meditation. Again, feel free to Google. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally, I don't know what I really think about orgasmic meditation. I've never tried it. I don't know anyone around here that teaches. Perhaps there will be a day where I'm able to take a workshop with someone that I trust, whether that be at like, I don't know, sex down South or something else. But I am so wary of it because of what's gone on around it. You know what's interesting? I was reading the book Pleasure Activism, which was compiled by yes. Adrian Marie Brown. I finished that one for the second time recently. Love that book. So there was one contributor to that, and I'm really sorry, I cannot remember who they are. Again, my short-term memory, but there's one contributor to that who talked, it may have been Adrian Marie Brown, I'm sorry if it was, okay. who said that they love doing oming on themselves as a nurturing, nourishing self-pleasure practice. Of course, the oming purists would say, no, you cannot do it on yourself. It must be done by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Whereas, well, no, I think you can take, you can, you can adapt these practices. And this person found that by practicing oming on themselves, in terms of just stroking their clitoris for, is it 15 minutes without any goal, was a really beautiful, um, nourishing practice as a way of riding the waves of pleasure with no agenda at the end. There's also um, a similar-ish practice called orgasmic yoga, which was created by Joseph Kramer, who pioneered somatic sexology and sexological bodywork. I really love the practice of orgasmic yoga mm-hmm. because it's a way, it's basically learning how to masturbate differently. I go back to oming and one taste. Uh, yeah. That was difficult to watch. Really difficult yeah. to watch. Yeah, it was. I there are just there's very few things out there that made me go like but all that stuff around oming and the the culture around it it gives me the sticky vibes even more so than the whole tantric community and stuff like that like yeah sticky vibes it was sticky on a sex podcast saying the word sticky but like it, it was I think one thing one of the things that was maybe sticky for me was well, first of all, that people went there from having a, let's say, part of traumatic past, big wounding around sex and relationships, which, you know, people who get into a lot of tantra, sex, sacred sexuality stuff and personal development stuff, we don't do it from having had a perfect, wonderful, happy life. Right. People get into it from a vulnerable place, which yeah. is completely understandable. And what they wanted was that feeling of connection purpose is something bigger than themselves and it was just interesting because Nicole Daydone made everything the solution to everything is orgasm everything any problem you have the solution is orgasm the solution is sex the solution is orgasm and again it's back to that one truth this idea that this there is one truth and one solution to everything which is very convenient very easy Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you see in the documentary that she says other things that are just really sketchy, like, um, you know, mentions of sexual assault and like, actually, you're a, you're in victim mentality and actually 
sexual assault can be a good thing and actually there's no such thing as being raped yeah that clip made me go like oh i throw something at the tv that was just that was really difficult to watch and yeah oh and, and also, I'm glad she's not doing, I don't know, what is, what is that woman even doing in the world? She's not like Keith Raniere where she's sitting in prison now. She just, but her school's closed, right? Well, apparently from what I heard was that she started selling off stocks and selling off the company before it went really, before the Bloomberg article was published. Mm. So she knew shit was about to hit the fan and she sold it off to her acolytes. And then she disappeared and then the article was published and um, from what I hear, but apparently now she's writing a book on cancel culture. Um, yeah. I mean, this is another bugbear that I have is this is me going on a rant about a lot of stuff that happens in the spirituality and personal development world. You have somebody who is outed publicly for very shitty, manipulative, abusive behavior usually because there were no accountability structures in the first place, usually because people had nowhere to go, usually because they tried to address it privately, but were fobbed off and fobbed off and fobbed off and fobbed off. Mm-hmm. So it went public. And then this person, instead of saying, oh shit, I actually have fucked up. They seem to double down and go, I'm being cancelled. I'm being silenced for speaking my truth. Oh, it's, it's, and also... <laughs> Yeah, and it within the, the Christian world, you uh, you have the pastors who are called out. Some of them saying it's it's the devil, it's demonic, it's it's a satanic attack or something. Again, it's the same fucking playbook. It's the yeah. same dynamic. Yeah, it's so. I think Nicole Daydon is writing a book on what it's like on cancel culture and how bad cancel culture is. And rather than oh yeah, I, I think I may have fucked up there. I think I may have actually caused a bomb. Sorry, that's a really weird expression, but I may have caused lots of harm. Yeah. Hopefully all the book reviewers out there see through it and call it out for what it is whenever that book does happen to hit store shelves. Oh, Uh, I don't, I can't imagine. I don't know. I don't want to say anything because we live in a very polarized world right now. But I think it's just really important to make when it comes to sex scandals, and of course, you know, nothing prints faster than a sex scandal, nothing gets more clicks than a sex scandal, is like, it's just, in my opinion, it's educating people on cult dynamics and predatory and abusive behavior. And then you can more easily spot it because it, like we can talk about these bad people, quote unquote, you know, these people that have fucked up and caused harm but then it's very easy to say it was just them. They were just an awful person and I would never do that. My teacher would never do that because that person is a bad person. Mm-hmm. Rather than understanding this is something that anybody is capable of doing because humans be humans. Yeah. And we have to look for the dynamics. And I also believe that bad faith people do need to be called out. I do believe it's, it's a, I'm in a very sticky place with that myself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. There was one thing in the in the Oming, the orgasm mm-hmm. documentary that also got me. And it was when someone was saying that Nicole, when she did her coaching, she'd be pushing people and pushing people to reveal stuff. Mm. But she'd be kind of manipulating them as to what she wanted them to say and then convincing them this is what they really wanted. This was their true desire. 
and they started realizing, oh, Nicole is telling me that my true desire is to have a public home or whatever, rather. And that also really got me because she was very much abusing her role in a coaching dynamic and exploiting the vulnerabilities of people around her. Like also, um, this is not a sex scandal, but um, what's her name? Kundalini Yoga. Mm. Guru, Guru Jagat. Yeah. Guru Jagat. Not sex related, but the same dynamic, <laughs> the same shitty behavior minus the sex part. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I think that again, it's Kundalini is just like a lot of these other things that we've talked about, that there's, these things are always founded and there's a bit that's beneficial. There's a yeah. bit that's helpful, but it's the people, it's the players, it's the structures, it's the dynamics mm-hmm. that you have to watch out for. Yeah, the practices themselves can be great. Um, but there's because I follow the Con Spirituality podcast and the stuff not I don't agree with everything they say, but um one of the posts, something they did a while back, was that you have to remember that in these containers, not Tupperware containers, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, in these environments, mm-hmm. whether you're working with sex or not, you are leading people through exercises. That puts them in a psychologically very vulnerable place. Yeah. You're putting them into an altered brain state. That you know, whether it's through different kinds of meditation, whether it's through worship, whether it's through whatever, it doesn't matter what the exercise is, whether it's a retreat, whether it's a workshop, the exercises in which they are leading you through are taking you to an altered state of consciousness. You are, for all intents and purposes, on drugs. You may be completely yes. sober, but your brain is for all intents and purposes on drugs, which means you are highly susceptible to suggestion, which means you are actually in a super vulnerable state, Very. which means it is super easy for somebody to slip in things. <laughs> Unintended. But every professional dominance talk about that, that they negotiate beforehand because once you're into playing a scene and that sexual energy and all those neurotransmitters are flowing through your system, it is like you're on drugs. And that if you did not agree to something before the scene, they will not, a professional dumb, someone who knows what they're doing, will not alter the plan. So because you suddenly say yes to something that you didn't say yes to before, because your mind is altered and you basically yeah. are on drugs and they don't want to take advantage of that situation. No, exactly. And this is what happens in these environments, whether you're oming, whether you're doing breath work, kundalini yoga, it doesn't matter. The same, it's the same kind of effect on your brain, body, nervous system. And which then means you are highly susceptible, which means you are much more likely to push over your internal boundaries and then have a crash afterwards. And and this is why I feel iffy because these kind of practices I think are wonderful if the person leading you through it then will close you down will bring you down afterwards and tell you aftercare we know that in bdsm you're going to have a sub drop you're going to have a drop so really take care of yourself i remember i did a trauma awareness training literally before the start of the pandemic and the facilitator she said at the end don't make any big decisions for two weeks afterwards Mm. Mm-hmm. and I was like I wish nobody had told me this she said do not make any big decisions regarding finances relationship marriage 
no big decisions for two weeks. Good. No, of all the containers, the top of, of all the environments I've been in, you know, I would get things about have a soft landing, land gently, but no specific advice as to no big decisions. Really go gently, like you're going to be in an altered state for the next week or two. Don't trust yourself in those decisions. Yeah. Good <laughs> advice. Good advice. Advice that there's definitely, I've done some things that I wish someone had given me that advice at the end for sure. Yeah. yeah. But this is also how they recruit, recruit people in cults. This is, we, we saw in the One Taste documentary, this is how they got people in. Yeah. They um, get in that altered state and they take advantage of that. Go mm-hmm. in to take the bank balance. <laughs> and this is what certain personal development leaders who are very well known, who are currently spamming my Instagram and YouTube newsfeed with their ads all over who shall remain nameless does is as part of his shtick he leads people through intense five-day or three-day things where people are exhausted at the end rams in the sales pitch Mm -hmm. yeah well for those listening who do want to watch these feel free but if you want something that feels a little bit better or maybe you've already watched these and you have the icks like we do I would say start with how to build a sex room on Netflix. Yeah. That, that, oh my God, I've gotten so many calls from new clients since (laughs) that show. There were definitely some things I wish could have been displayed better, but I feel like she did an overall really good job of having a really diverse set of people that she was working with, uh, diverse kinks, diverse sexual wants, desires, needs. Mm-hmm. And she really did a good job, I think, of tailoring to each couple's needs rather than telling them what they needed in their sex room. Yeah. I liked it in the, some of it felt very fluffy and in terms, some of it felt very wholesome. And you might not think of that like a sex room, potential BDSM is wholesome, but something felt really wholesome because she's going on and on about the decor and and her passion for decor and, and like giving people a really wonderful environment. And I just was like, oh, it got me in the feels when I'm watching that. And she's like, mm-hmm. so, so pleasure affirming, like, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, I'm going to make this room of your dreams. Yes. Just, she oh. felt like the very sex positive auntie that's got really good style. <laughs> and, and I think, I don't think I was the only one who was like, Damn it, I don't have a sex room. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, I need a sex room. I don't have a sex room. I, I know. What it made me want is penis decor. Oh, there was like penis, um, uh, like hooks and stuff like that. Like, or like, you know, um, some gold penises that she had as wall decor. There was like a penis lamp at one point. Oh, and the one closet handle pulls that were naked ladies kind of like in this, like it was the little details on stuff like that. I was like, I need more feathers. I need a crystal chandelier and I need penis decor. Oh, I was thinking, I don't know. Because I'm, I just, we've just moved countries, me and my husband. So we've been living in our new apartment only since the end of October. So half of what you may see, some of our stuff is still in boxes. So we are still in this, like decor trying to figure everything out in our apartment I'm like damn it this is another thing I need to do now because I really want <laughs> I want the sex <laughs> our bedroom 
I want like ice cream. Yeah. I want us ice cream. I want I want our current bedroom to be more like that. I yes. Need and I need rose and I need a special sex couch. <laughs> I want sex furniture so bad. I the, the one that's like slopey and yes, yes. And I, I want sex covered in velvet and <laughs> Yes, I was like, oh, we could have a velvet headboard and we could have like the harness come over, like just have like little hooks in the back so we don't have to search for them. Yeah, it gave me all sorts of ideas for our our new home that we moved into. And luckily, Matthew was on board. I mean, you can't be the spouse of a sexologist and not be on board with some sexy stuff going on in your house, I think. Yeah, it's... um... (laughs) It's funny, I, I'm always joking with my husband that you know, there's always vaginas, uh, vaginas, vulvas everywhere around our place and, you know, erotic art. And he's just like, oh, there's a penis here. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Well, we also going to talk about sex, love and do. Yes. We can talk about that one in the last few minutes for sure. And, and like the Goop Lab, which had Betty Dotson on. I didn't actually watch the Goop Lab because I'm not a Gwyneth fan, but I did watch the Betty Dotson episode. Yeah, this. I mean, same. I do, I only watched the Betty Dodson episode of the Goop Club because I'm I'm similar. I'm not. I think this is what's tricky is that I'm I'm not a Gwyneth Paltrow fan, and yet I really like what she did with yeah. the Betty Dodson episode, and I really like what she did with Sex, Love, and Goop. Same. And I've seen some criticisms of Sex, Love, and Goop that I don't agree with at all. Same. And same. yeah. And that's what's tricky. And like, I'm, I, I always recommend ugh, recommend my clients watch Sex, Love and Goop because it's really accessible on a way of them also seeing elements of their own relationships mirrored in the couples. Yeah. Um, I really like that she included a wide range of different educators. Yes. With different backgrounds. Um, I really like that. I like that they showed a somatic they showed a sexological bodywork session pretty much mm-hmm. they showed like the mirror exercise they showed um and you know they and they showed the episodes with jaya and the erotic yeah. blueprints and like again i have i have mixed opinions of jaya but i do like the erotic blueprints as kind of a metaphor as mm-hmm. a way of people understanding that there's different ways of getting turned on yeah so and i like and i just like what they did with it and I think that they gave a really good representation of sex coaching per se as an industry in a way that they showed it being done in a good way, I thought. And I just liked that it's really accessible for somebody who is maybe not from the sex positive world, but just wants to make their relationship or marriage better and doesn't know where to start. Yes. This is what I liked. I 100% agree with your dire assessment there, actually. That was very much how I felt and loving seeing multiple practitioners with different modalities, seeing a diverse group of the the clients, the guests that are on, the couples that are on, having different issues, and then there being different solutions for them. Um, I do also like the erotic blueprints. I'm not so sure what to think about the whole energetic orgasm thing. Yeah, but then the way the couple played with it, I was like, okay, but but that I get that. I've I can yeah. feel that. Yeah, I I agree. I I I liked that it showed this guy who you know like is it a heterosexual couple, and they they seem to be having a very typical heterosexual couple issue. Whereas 
the guy, I just want sex. I'm just hard. I want to go straight in. Whereas the woman's like, whoa, slow down, mate. And Jaya, through the erotic blueprints, helped them to find that way in the middle. And I loved her doing uh, that, uh, the, not the bodywork session, but the, the energetic session on, on the man. And like him, you could see his body responding and like him having his own energy orgasms or something. And for me watching that, it was like, oh, it's so beautiful and so humbling. And I really, like, gets me in the feels. I really want people to see that mm-hmm. and to see that. And I say it's like a typical heterosexual couple issue. You may probably have that experience as well. Mm-hmm. And to see that there's a really, there's a different way of connecting with that. Yeah. And like one thing I'd say in terms of the criticism of sex, love and goop, there's a lot of sex educators who are criticizing it. And I understand why, but I think we have to remember that as sex educators, we want a lot of this stuff to be more mainstream. And the issue with anything going mainstream is that there's going to be funkiness. Um, It was like 50 shades of gray. Do I agree with the writing? Do I agree with the portrayal of BDSM? No, but it made BDSM more into mainstream awareness. And it was women reading it and going to see the film to get off. So I think this is a pitfall whenever we want something to be mainstream. Whenever anything goes mainstream, there's going to be stuff that goes wrong. And that's that's just how it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I saw some of those criticisms as well. You know, people saying things like, well, this is just going to make everyone think that they can come to me and ask for sexological body work. And like, okay, first off, I was already having that issue, having to make the distinction between what coaching and sexological body work are and what I do and what I don't do. So that's no different. But I have had, I feel because of some of the the conversations that are going on through the Goop Lab or other things like that, people are coming to us now more openly you know it's Mm. I want everyone to have a wonderful healthy beautiful sex life and Mm. if the thing that makes them recognize they deserve that is that show okay I'm okay with that same and it's um I saw criticism like they're not licensed therapists and that really annoyed me it's like there's a limit to that and that these people are very good practitioners and that that yeah. really annoyed me like, yeah and there's plenty of licensed yeah. therapists who have said really dumb things to my clients in the past oh yeah same so, I've had oh. <laughs> clients have terrible experiences with licensed therapists no shade to licensed therapists by the way that I know some brilliant ones it's just same. this whole thing of it's it's all snake oil. It's all this rather than actually there's a lot of stuff that's good there. So therapists are, are human beings and it's just like anything. You don't like every dentist you go to. You don't like every general practitioner you go to. You don't even like every fucking mechanic you take your car to. There's good ones and there's bad ones. There's people who listen to you and people who take advantage of you. A therapist position, they're no different. It is up to us to find quality therapists people who are informed you got to try them out for for fit and quality just like you do anything else licensed therapists like all practitioners have their own biases according to their own training 
I know that I have biases according to my training. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's what's it, horses for courses. <laughs> different practitioners, different professionals for different needs at different times. And also having some awareness of when to spot shady behavior and, and, and potential red flags. This is why it's a very, oh, it's a very, very sticky territory. Yeah, again, I agree. <laughs> using that word. Well, and that's why we had this conversation today to help people understand, you know, more about what to watch for. You know, we've got these examples of these these cults or these folks that were not practicing good, you know, power dynamics. And hopefully it helps people know what to watch out for moving forward as they're exploring themselves. Or if they do want to go explore Tantra, just be aware. If you do want to go explore Oming, be aware. That's all we have. Trust, trust your own, trust, trust your feet, trust your feelings. What's the word? If your spidey senses are off, trust that. Yes. If something doesn't feel right for you, trust that. And try and trust that above what they are telling you. A hundred percent. Well, Lucy, this has been a wonderful conversation as expected. So in the last few minutes that we have here, if you would go ahead and let the folks know how they can find you online. Awesome. So I am very active on Instagram, which is at Lucy Lee Rowett. I do use TikTok occasionally, which is at Lucy Rowett. Uh, find me on my website, lucyrowett.com. Um, I have, I can send you a link in the show notes. I have, what do I have? I have a free workbook on how to confidently ask what you want in bed. We're going to be opening up the doors to my next uh, group program, The Shameless Woman Immersion. So if you are interested in any of what I have said or you are curious about working together, do reach out. I'm very responsive to emails or private messages on Instagram. Just know that I can't provide sex coaching on Instagram. I just provide, uh, what's the word? Not signaling. Signposting. <laughs> That's the word. Signposting, not signaling. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well. Thank you again so much for being my guest today on Keep Them Coming and talking about all these sex cult scandals, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's out Thank there you. on the yes. internet right now. <laughs> We're like adding that in. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, I wish you all the best and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes or stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.